Hi, and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. This week, we are starting a watch-along of His and Her Circumstances, also known as Kare Kano, uh, the beloved 1998 shoujo anime by Studio Gainax. Uh, my name is Caitlin. I am the technical editor for Anime Feminist, as well as a reviewer at Anime News Network. And today, I am joined by Dee and Mercedes. Um, my name is Mercedes, and I am also a reviewer at the Anime News Network, as well as an editor at Anime Feminist, and someone who is overworked way too much. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Pixelated Lenses, um, where I talk about being overworked too much because I need a nap. Take a break. Don't burn out. Don't do what I did. <laughs> Learn from my mistakes, Mercedes. Take care of yourself, Mercedes. Yeah, please. Uh, I will. Good, 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 good. Uh, I'm Dee. I am one of the managing editors at Anifem, and you can hang out with me on Twitter at Jose Next Door. So, as I said, today we will be talking about uh, Kare Kano, which I will probably be calling it that, even though it's not the official English name, because A, it's very well known by that name, and B, his and her circumstances is a mouthful, and there is no convenient abbreviation for that. Yeah, it takes forever to say. And I think the manga was uh, localized as Kare Kano, so a lot of people know yes. it by that. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, so the it originally aired in Japan in 1998 for 26 episodes. In the U.S., the series were, was released on DVD in... Beginning in 2002, 19 years ago, uh, by The Right Stuff, also known as Nozomi Entertainment. And the manga was one of the first unflipped series by Tokyo Pop. So, if you want to feel old, wow. I think it was also one of the first new DVD releases for The Right Stuff that had never gotten um, a, v a VHS. And it is a heck of a DVD uh, for the time. Uh, might talk about that if we have time. That's one of the less important things, though. Why are we talking about this today? Because we should talk about shoujo as a feminist anime podcast. It's important. Yeah. Yeah, that seems legit. Well, and this is this is a big one. Like this was. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily one that's like withstood the test of time and been one that like newer readers are necessarily familiar with. Which is also because um, it went out of print with Tokyo Pop. I'm pretty sure. Um, so yes. it's not as it's not as easy to track down as like Fruits Basket, which is getting a re-release. But like, as far as like big popular shoujo titles of like that first wave of that first manga boom in the early aughts, like Kare Kano was. I I didn't read it myself because I wasn't a big school rom com person, but I remember it was like big. I mean, it was you know that one Fruits Basket, Shigi Yugi. I mean, you had these titles that mm -hmm. were like hits. And it was it was a big one for sure. So I think it has some historical significance because of that as well. Yeah, and they released the whole long series, which was not always the case with Tokyo Pop. Uh, they were not afraid to cut series loose if they weren't selling. Mm -hmm. um, so Kare Kano does have a very storied production, uh, which I personally re <laughs> researched for an article on Anime News Network a couple years ago. So. I actually know a lot of this stuff offhand, off the top of my head. Teach us, Caitlin Sensei. <laughs> teach us. Teach us. Uh, it is uh, Hideaki Anno's follow-up to Evangelion over at Gainax, and it was a big departure from their usual subject matter at the time. They were generally best known for high, well, not necessarily high energy, but for science fiction, 
Mecca. They had Nadia of the Blue Water. They had Gunbuster. Of course, they had Evangelion. And Hideaki Anno uh, decided to take on something completely different because he wanted to avoid getting creative st- creatively stagnant, uh, as he stated in conversation with uh, Ikuhara, actually. Because um, those two were buddies. I know. This is uh, hilarious to me in retrospect now that he has spent the last 15 years just remaking Evangelion. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, props to him at the time for being like, I'm going to do a shoujo rom-com. Wait, and- so this came this came after Evangelion? Yes. That's this was Anno's immediate follow-up to Evangelion. Wow. So even though it was meant to be something completely different, it does still have commonalities with Evangelion. Um, a discussion of trauma, about the, uh, the sense of self, self-actualization for teenagers. Uh, it's just uh, the trappings are very, very different, about as different as you can get, because this is a mundane, mundane high school series. Uh, he interviewed high school students to reconnect with what it was like to be that age, what it was like to fall in love for the first time. And I personally, I think it really paid off because... Uh, while at this point in the series it is still very faithful to the manga um, a lot of the directorial flourishes a lot of the adaptational changes or choices really uh, emphasize that Um, it does have a lot of contention around the production history and what exactly happened with that but we'll get to that later as is the case with uh, Gymax series of the era before they just completely fell apart. Uh, well, they fell apart for the first time and started making series like He is My Master. And then they fell apart for the second time when everyone left to make Trigger. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But at the, in the 90s, Gynax had a lot of names that, if you pay attention, you are probably completely familiar with. Um, Tadashi Hiramatsu did the character designs. Um, I think the thing he's currently best known for is Yuri on Ice. Hiroyuki Imaishi, who is best known, like the best known trigger person. He did Promare. He did Gurren Lagan. Well, Gurren Lagan is Gainax, but besides the point, he did Kill a Kill. Um, he storyboarded uh, several episodes, including in this, uh, in this segment of the Watch Along, episodes one to three. Um, and it has a very distinct visual style. Uh, it uses a lot of manga panels, uh, on-screen text. The animation is uh, very limited, which I don't know how much of that is a conscious choice. <laughs> <laughs> there are a few episodes here that are basically slideshows, even early into the production. Yeah, I was thinking, I was like, so were they just, was their budget a sandwich? Was that- <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> this show. Um we will feed you. Go. It is very much um, an Ano production. It has a lot of his uh, signature styles, his sound design. Oh, it has a score by Shiro Sagitsu, who did Evangelion and has done a lot of other uh, very well-known stuff. Mm. Uh, Caitlin, can I ask real quick, um, while we're kind of on the subject, you've read at least some of the Katakana man- manga, correct? Yes, I have read okay. the whole thing. Are, okay, wow. I thought I thought I wasn't sure if you'd read it all or if you just if it was a synopsis, but I knew you were familiar with it. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So we can talk about that as we go as well. Yes, we will talk about. I don't actually remember the early volumes very clearly. Yeah, that's um, fine. At, at this point in the series, I do know that the anime follows the story very clear, uh, mm-hmm. pretty closely. 
just um, the style, even like the manga style art that you see uh, on the screen in the anime is not directly from the manga. Okay, that was actually going to be my question is if okay. like is if there is if their sandwich budget was like we're just going to lift panels strict straight from the manga, but they actually did redraw those for the series to match the character designs. I think. Okay. Um I'm not 100%. It's been a very long time since I've read the manga like I said. Sure. And people get really really up in arms if you get anything wrong about Karikano's production history. Oh. Because there well because there's been a lot of there's been a lot of like speculation and like wrong names assigned and all sorts of stuff. But that is, we'll get there when we get there. Sure. So, um, it is also one of the series that is most commonly named as uh, something that people want a remake of. Mm-hmm. I'm personally very against this idea for reasons that we will get into later. Um, but I'm wondering if you guys think that at this point in the series, could it use a remake? <clears throat> I This is my first time ever engaging with Kari Kano. So like, I don't know if I can say yes or no, because I didn't, I kind of went in completely unknowing. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, at this point, we're a little too too far not far enough in i think to necessarily make that call um i can see the impulse for people to say that just based on the sandwich budget um that we're currently <laughs> seeing. like i can see people being like man i wish this had like you know really dynamic animation like a really bright fancy remake because that's what everybody wants from their favorite series right and i know katakana <laughs> like the manga like a lot of people it really resonated with them um so i i get the impulse there i to to be blunt, I think that it is it feels it feels like a show of the '90s, and I don't necessarily think it needs a remake now. Like maybe if they'd made it in the mid aughts, but I feel like that time has probably passed. Um, I think there are other shojo. I think there are other manga that could that could be adapted instead at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, we're only seven episodes in. I could change my mind. Okay. But that's that's kind of where I am right now. All right, um, I will say so. My opinion, at least at this stretch of the episodes. I am opposed to a remake because Anno is such an incredible director and he really did like a lot of the energy of it, the on-screen text. So much of that does a huge favor to creating a sense of mood mm-hmm. that when you take that away, it is a lot less special. Yeah, and see, I've never, I'm not familiar with the manga. I think I read the first volume and it just didn't grab me. Because I read the first volume of dang near everything because I was working in a bookstore. Um, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't, so I can't necessarily say like what this adaptation has done in comparison to the manga and like what a more faithful adaptation would look like and et cetera. So I will absolutely take your word for that. Um, it's stylistically, again, um, I, I'm joking about the sandwich budget on the animation, but like stylistically, like, it is a show that has very little animation, but I think a lot of modern directors could take some cues from directors from the 90s in terms of like how to make things visually engaging, even if you don't have, you know, Sakuga out the wazoo. Um, because I was never bored watching. Well, there's a moment in one of the last episodes where it's like just a bunch of manga panels, and I was like, uh oh. <laughs> um, but for the most part, I think like, I think the, the camera is the cinematography is active enough and interesting enough that like there doesn't have to be a lot of like movement for it to still be um engaging and like visually interesting so yeah 
Yeah, and there's there's a lot of squash and stretch in the in the character animation, mm -hmm. especially in those Imaishi episodes. Oh, I love me some '90s chibis. Love me uh, some '90s chibis. Oh, it's so Just good. Such like a lot of like exaggerated expressions. Uh, I love it. I do. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about personal histories. I don't know if you guys have anything remotely a personal history. I this is probably my fourth or fifth time watching it all the way oh. through. Um, I bought the first DVD with the fancy box in 2002. Um, it's wow. funny. I bought it based because like uh, someone I was on a forum with had it in their signature and I thought it sounded really interesting, but I had no idea how to go about getting fan subs. So when the DVD came out, I bought it pretty much right away. Bright Stuff's DVD production is absolutely incredible. Um, especially they basically made an entirely different visual track for um to so that for the on-screen text and subtitles like that mm -hmm. wow. um you know in the japanese the voice actresses for kano and Tsukino do it's the camera on them when they're doing the next episode preview for the dub track they do it for their english voice actresses yeah like, i thought that uh, was a neat Jessica touch Calvello and someone else megan hollingshead i know i know my pokemon voice actors <laughs> um this was i think this was before she ruined her voice doing excel oh no um but at the time like everyone's like oh it perfectly captures the feeling of falling in love in the first time and i didn't date in high school so i watched it, i was like yeah this is really good and then i watched it again after i had fallen in love with my first boyfriend i was like oh this is amazing <laughs> and this time around i ended up trapping jared into watching six of the seven episodes with me which was really nice that is fun um so do you guys have like anything, any kind of history with it whatsoever? Do you said that you read the first volume and it didn't grab you? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I read the first volume, but there were um, the shoujo premise of like girl and boy are rivals in school because like boy has better grades. That was not the only series to do that that was coming out in the US at the time. So I might have been reading something else, but I feel like I tried Katakano um, because it was a big enough title that it probably was one that I would have tried out. Um, school rom-coms, well, first of all, the impression that people had given me about Katakana was that it was like a drama, a serious drama, and that was not my jam at all. Um, I had at that point been pretty solidly burned on Hot Gimmick, and so it was going to be a hard sell for me anyway, and typically I just, I, I love shoujo fantasy. I had a harder time with the mundane series, like I couldn't get into Hanakimi, um, there's probably some others, but those are the two that come to mind, uh, that one and Hot Gimmick. Um, so yeah, I just never, it was never really something that I was like that into. And then I kept getting that feeling that it was like this very serious school drama and that I love a good rom-com, like stuff like My Love Story. Yeah, absolutely. You know, put it in my eyeballs. Um, but because I kept getting that impression from it, I just sort of felt like, eh, this probably isn't my jam. Um, so I never gave it a try. And then we started this watch along and I was like, oh, this is silly. Why did nobody tell me that this show was silly? So that was a pleasant surprise going into this for sure. Mercedes. Yeah. So my history with it is that I watched it over the course of this week and that was my first time engaging with it. 
Um, I know I've seen the manga. I saw the manga when Tokyo Pop was putting it out, but I was too young when it was first coming out mm-hmm. um, to actually probably read it. Um, and also, I was definitely like more of a hot gimmick tween and teen than I was. I yeah, I that's a big oof. A so big the oof. opposite experience that I had. Yeah, that's I great. mean, like I, I'll admit, teenage me was ride or die for hot gimmick. Um, Hey, listen, I will, I will judge nobody's trashy shoujos of their childhood because I liked Angel Sanctuary. So (laughs) no, no no judgment. This is a safe safe space. Yeah. But I, I never engaged with the series. And honestly, I think I, like I said, I wasn't the right age um, because I also did not date in high school. Uh I had zero interest in high school and like little did I know that meant that I was like a romantic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so wait, wait a second though. So you were too young for Kari Kano, but you were the right age for hot. Gimmick? Here's the thing. Is a- <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't, but that's how it happened. Long story, short, long story short, back when Borders books used to exist, a friend of mine picked it up and we like passed it around and we were like, oh, this is like so salacious. And oh, like it's got adult stuff like flirting. Yeah, and the forbidden romance. manga. Like I said, yeah. it was it was your angel sanctuary. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. It, it was. I mean, it was like when I first discovered boys love. Except like you know, uh, hot gimmick has comp hit in the worst way, baby. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, I I yeah. feel like Karikano might have been a better gateway, and now I'm finding that out. <laughs> well, the version of Karikano I grew up with was the dub. Love mm-hmm. the dub. And you guys watched the dub because you were watching it on the Nozomi channel on YouTube, which is legal. Mm-hmm. Um, and they only have the yeah. dub. Um, I know other regions. So, I know other regions have access to the sub, um, but in the U.S., it's pretty much. It looks like it's basically dub only. So that's what we did. Yeah. So I came into this. I was like, "Well, I guess I'm going to watch the sub this time, mm. even though I love the dub." always watched it dubbed um this was atsuko uh yukino was atsuko enomoto's first major role Hmm. and she like she was good in it but i really really loved veronica taylor's yukino she's having so much fun um and but i was gonna watch the sub but then i started watching with jared and for accessibility reasons because dvd subs at the time weren't very good we ended up watching it dubbed and then we kept watching it together, and I kept watching. So it we're dubbed. all watching it dubbed. Um, <laughs> so we're all watching. So it we're dubbed. all we're all here for Ash Ketchum, as you can know. Hell yeah! Which, <laughs> which uh, was Liam O'Brien's first major role, and the scripts are written by Crispin. Freeman. I saw his name in the credits. That made me smile. Yeah, I wish. Yeah, he wrote I the- wish he'd showed up to play Arima because boy howdy, there weren't a lot of oh. solid male voice yeah. actors back in the day. Were there? He would have been a very, he would have been a really he good He would have Arima. been a good anybody, think, okay. but yes. <laughs> <laughs> he would have been great as Kano. <laughs> um, no, Arima's voice actor gets better. Does he? Yeah, okay. Um, I think he's better by the end of this stretch. Of the, I feel like all the girl voice actors are having such a great time. And then all the guys, except Yukino's dad, who is also having a great time. Um, 
are like, they just aren't quite sure what to do. So their performances are a little stiff um, or in Arima's case, very stiff. I think I called him wooden McBoy face <laughs> in our uh, group chat. So yeah. that's yeah. where I am. Um, okay. I want to defend Liam O'Brien's uh, Asaba though. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's, fine. I love it. Um, I, I feel like I haven't heard him talk um, enough to have a strong opinion about him. When, when he's, in the more serious scenes, he's he's a little stiff. Like I said, this was probably his first big role. Um, but when it's get when when Asaba is being silly, I think he really lights up and he starts to have fun. Um, yeah, yeah, I I, I I'd give you that for sure, for sure. Um, the part where he's he's like in the bathrobe in just shows up in Arima's backyard and he's like, yeah, we slept together. Wink, yeah. Um, <laughs> I was. I thought it was very good. I enjoyed yeah, no, it. Yeah, no, he's he's fine. Um, um he's yeah. not he's not as notoriously stiff as Arima is for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, hey, Caitlin, question. You can cut this from the episode if yes. you want. Is Asaba okay. the one who falls in love with the baby? Because <laughs> that's like that's like the one thing I know about Katakano is I'm pretty sure somebody falls in love with the baby at the end. <laughs> Like oh, it's like the OG God. Twilight. Am I wrong I about this, or is this correct? No, you're not yeah. wrong. You are correct. Yeah. No, no. I didn't want to bring. It we can cut no. that part. <laughs> although, although Mercedes' re- reaction is so good, maybe we won't cut this part. God, I'm um, suffering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. Well. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. A baby. In fairness, no. I think that's just in the manga. I don't know if that's in the anime, I, but I do know it's a thing no, that happens. No, no, so. the anime cuts off way. Before. Okay, so okay. say Mercedes, you don't have to worry about a, a grown ass man yeah. falling in love with a baby. That's only in the manga. No, I tell you, manga, manga giveth and manga taketh, and when it taketh, ooh. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's okay that adaptations don't fully adapted material sometimes you get yeah, soul yes. leader or Karekano out of the deal and it's okay or or famously will, bunny drop um and then it's okay we'll talk about this we'll we will talk yeah about that this. it'll uh, yeah i figured um, that would come up in conversation eventually but i was like is this the one is this the infamous asava um this is this is a conversation for a different episode. Okay, okay, excellent. Um, I, I did just realize I never gave the full plot synopsis. <laughs> um, which is, well, you know, it's a very well-known story. Um, but if you do not know it, it's a, actually a fairly basic rom-com mm-hmm. story. Yukino Miyazawa um, puts on a performance as being a really, really perfect girl at school. She gets um, amazing grades in middle school. She was always in the top of her class. Um, and she, because she loves praise. She is addicted to praise. It is her favorite thing in the world. Getting praised is her driving force in life. And then she starts high school. And she is no longer the top scorer. The top scorer is another boy in her class. Zoichiro Arima. Arima, of course, falls in love with Yukino just like everyone else. He falls in love with her perfect persona. And then one day he comes to drop off a CD at her house. And she, unknowing, not knowing it was him, thinking it was going to be her little sister, kicks him in the stomach in her sweats with her hair done up and wearing glasses. Gasp. She is so sure that he is going to completely ruin her life, but he doesn't. 
until he starts blackmailing her. Mm-hmm. Um, make, blackmailing her by making her do things like help out with his student council work. Not hot, gu- not hot gimmick level blackmail. Mm-mm. Together, eventually the two decide that they are going to work on becoming more of their true selves in public and as well as at home. Um, so it is a love story between these two teenagers who are trying to figure out how to be true to themselves. That's kind of the long and short of it because Yukino and Arima and their relationship are the main focus. Uh, let's talk about them. How do you guys feel about Yukino and Arima? Yukino is my queen. This teenage girl knows she has a garbage personality and fully embraces it. And I love it. Like, me too, Yukino. I too wear my middle school sweats when I'm just kicking it at home. I too want people to love me. And I love it. I'm wearing sweats right now. (laughs) Arima is human. He is not, He's a, not robot. a robot. He could pass one of those capture things on a website. <laughs> um, I, you know what? Okay, the first few episodes, I was like, I'm not into it. And then we got like his really tragic backstory episode three. And I was like, oh, oh, this explains a lot. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, oh he's a bad boy. I was like, oh, He's not mean boy or bad boy. He's just sad boy now. He's very sad. Um, he not bad boy. He's sad and boy. And then, like, I was like, okay, I guess he's okay. And then they held hands, and I was like, oh, I'm here for it now. So that's kind of the mood swing I went through with that. Like, that's the movements, the layers to my life of them. Yeah. Oh, I love that scene. Which scene? The scene where, like, she's, like, finally just, like, reaches out and takes his hand during the It was so romantic, because instead of saying, like, yes, I want to date you or no, just holds his hand, and I was like, ah, it's so good. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, I feel like you can, yeah, I I agree. You can, it was great. She is a very, like, I think Karakano has that, it's a similar problem that a lot of shoujo like school rom-coms maybe problem is not even the right word but the female characters feel very like relatable and true to life and like believable disasters which is terrific and then the boys are romantic ideals to an extent which is i mean that's that's the genre that's the the concept behind it so like i get that that's why it operates in that space but they tend to be less interesting because of that Mm. um and so my favorite parts with Arima are like honestly when he's being a little bit of a shit, um, when he's when he's when he like awkwardly is blackmailing her because he wants to spend more time with her and doesn't know how. So he's like, I guess I'll just. I mean, she's a troll, so I guess if I'm a troll back, that that's how we do things, right? Um, and then like when he when the two of them are kind of giving each other crap during the sports festival and stuff, like I find him a lot more uh, endearing during those those mm-hmm. bursts of like high school not i feel like shittiness is a little too strong of a word here because again he just he just in those moments he feels like a like a believable like high school disaster um which you know is 24 7 um and i i yeah so i find him a lot more endearing in those moments when he's Mm -hmm. when he's being you know sweet 
monotone Arima. Um, he very much just feels like that sort of romantic hero ideal, which doesn't interest me at all. Um, mm. I mean, he's he's a nice boy. I don't like hate him. Like there are there are you know the the other trap of the shoujo manga is asshole romantic uh interest and he's mm-hmm. not that so that's terrific um i can mm-hmm. i can get behind my ni- the nice sad boys um i feel like i should like him more than i do because usually when i when we you get to the the twist where it's like oh but they're sad i'm like oh now i have to protect you but i ugh, i don't know i don't i'm not there yet with arima maybe I, maybe i'll get there eventually yeah because maybe it's the voice actor. it could be the voice actor yeah. <laughs> honestly it could be yeah, because like right now, if I wanted to protect Arima, it would be like protecting a plate of bland white rice. A little Just, bit. Well, and like, I find with it like, with like some parsley put on top. I'll give him yeah. that. He's got he's got some parsley. Well, and I'll give the manga credit too because like that's kind of the concept behind him, right? Is like he has put on this perfect, flawless persona because he doesn't want to be like his parents. He wants people to like not reject him so it fits yeah. into his character that he is acting perfect and therefore kind of boring and the fact that like he has some moments especially in the later episodes where you can tell he has very low self-esteem about the fact that he's like he doesn't think he's very interesting and he's not wrong but uh <laughs> but like but that's part but that's part of his that's part of his whole persona right like he has made himself to be flawless to the point where he's scraped off all the sharp edges and those are the things that make people individuals instead of just ideals Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so i think that i think that the fact that the manga is kind of engaging with that is or the the i mean the manga now the anime is engaging with that is like an interesting way to talk about romantic ideals in fiction and the personas we put on in high school which we've talked about this in past rom-com podcasts we've done is a Mm -hmm. common uh conceit that shows up in these shows and is always i always find it really interesting when they talk about it um so I'm hoping that as he like opens up and shows Yukino like more of himself and gets to have more moments where he kind of shoots the shit with Asaba, that he will become more of a rounded character instead of that like romantic ideal. Um, yeah. But I'll give the series credit for engaging with that concept and like sort of calling it out, like going, we, we know, we know he's like weirdly perfect. Um, but that's sort of the point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Well, because Yukino has this sense of self from her family, mm-hmm. right? They're big, boisterous. They're so people. good. It's a big. It's it's a big. They have a big family. Um, do you guys have big families? No. Um. So so fifty no. percent. Um. My my. I am an only child, but uh, my mom remarried when I was like 12, and then I got three step-siblings who were there half of the time because they bounced between their parents' houses. So 50% big family, yes. Okay. I'm too am Well, I have... Okay, so yeah, so yeah. quieter right. household. Well, I'm one of five. Yeah, I knew you had a, I knew you had a, big, a big family <laughs> yeah. at home, yeah. Um, my family, uh, our conflicts were less playful than that. Um, a little when they are playing around, there's a more genuine anger uh, with my family, but a lot of the dynamics are the same. Um, it is very relatable. They were loud. They will like start like talking about stuff while you're in the other room, and you're just like, "What are you doing? Why go away? You are making me crazy, but I don't have any another private space." 
Um, but because she has this big family, Yukino, despite her performance at school, she does have somewhat of a sense. Yeah, of self. well, in a big yeah. family, who I think it's I think it's worth noting, like she has a good relationship with everybody in her family. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, they they give each other crap, and they're like, you know, she rolls her eyes at her dad a lot, but like they all genuinely care about each other. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Arima's and adopted parents clear like they clearly all care about each other as well. But the dynamic there is very different because of the history. So you know, there's still yeah. there is a little yeah. li- there's there's more of a level a layer of distance there. Whereas Yukino gets to go home yeah. and just fully be herself, and Arima doesn't right. feel like he mm-hmm. really has a space where he can do that. Exactly. Yeah. So Arima doesn't really know who he mm-hmm. is at all. Um, Yukino, like, she doesn't know, like, where her talents are or um, who she is, like, as a friend. But she know when she's at home she, being Yukino, she's just being Yukino. Mm-hmm. And Arima doesn't have that. He feels like he has to put on the same performance for his uh, adoptive parents as he does at school. Um, and that is why he doesn't have a whole lot of personality. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I think it makes sense in in the story proper in a way that a lot of these that, that you know a lot of series that have like the kind of too perfect uh, romantic leads maybe don't. Um, I think it tracks for his character. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm curious to see what they do with him going forward. Um, I really liked the. I think it was episode. It was six or seven. It was one of the later ones, where they had the like parallel monologues of the two of them thinking about each other. Oh, yeah. And Yukino's was like, "Man, I am as perfect, but I feel like he doesn't, you know, open up to me, and I hope I can understand him. But God, he's so perfect." And then Arima's like, "Yukino's so weird. I love that. <laughs> Why can't I be weird?" Um, and it's just, it was just a really, a really sweet way to kind of see like how they see each other, and then also themselves, because they both, they both have some self esteem issues, which. I think for Arima, a lot of that comes from trauma. For, for Yukino, it's, you know, partly because she's put on this persona her whole life, but also she's, what, 16? Like, 16-year-olds have self-esteem <laughs> issues. They just do. Um, so, I, but I like the, I like the way the series starts to bounce between the two of them, and you get a sense of, like, mm-hmm. how they're, they're very different, but they also have a lot of kind of core similarities, and, like, neither of them really mm-hmm. understands why the other one likes them. <laughs> Which is kind of sad, yeah. but also like you know, sweet and sort of high school relatable. So I, I was going to say that's no. really <laughs> relatable, right? Because like in high school, you just kind of inexplicably like people, mm-hmm. and you're never really sure why. You just do. You're like that person. Mm-hmm. That's who I like. Maybe maybe until yeah. they got their yeah, nachos. You know, then maybe they got their nachos a certain way from the lunch line. Maybe they then did something from the vending machine you're just like or maybe they had that cool like belt buckle belt you know like that was the seat belt buckle <laughs> you just i mean that's kind of it's kind of like inexplicable stuff like that and i think it's cute that like they're into each other they don't really know what but they just are and that's great that's great yeah and i mean when i was like i said i watched uh several episodes with jared and when uh, Yukino was monologuing about how Arima was just so perfect. Jared looked at me and he goes, "That's how you think about me, right?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, "Uh huh, sure, yeah, yeah." And then, and then when Arima was monologuing about how Yukino is weird and like when she is being unguarded, she's she's actually kind of like a slob and doesn't always make like he does not understand why she does the things to you i look at jared and go is that how you think of me and jared goes actually yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I think 
I do feel like Yukino is the ideal like woman that I actually grew up into, which is like like sweatpants, playfully smokes chocolate cigarettes, <laughs> and just like is living my best life. Love it. Mm-hmm. Love it for her. I like that they're both like and again we've we've still got quite a bit of series left, but they, they seem to be loosening up as the story goes and i hope that mm-hmm. i hope that that sort of continues and they're both able to because you know there was this i think this and this came out late 90s which was sort of when a lot of the issues with like the stresses put on high school kids in japan were really starting to come to light mm-hmm. in the media and i because i think it was wasn't it the early offs that they cut they cut saturday school because they were like we need to start giving our kids like we need to start letting them act like kids a little bit more yeah. um, i think it was the early aughts that that started happening uh, maybe it was later, but yeah. Um, and I feel like you can definitely feel a lot of series in the nineties. I mean, I think Fushigi Yugi just to, you know, sh- bounce back to one of our old watch alongs um, talks about this a little bit with Miyaka having all these pressures about mm-hmm. getting into the right high school and cram schools and everything. Um, I think a lot of the shojos in the nineties are engaging with the like massive amount of stress that was put on uh, students. Mm-hmm. And you definitely see that with Arima and Yukino, uh, with the the first of all the way they feel like they should be perfect in front of others so they will be praised and you know um, mm-hmm. but then in those in those last episodes where their grades start to slip because gasp oh no they're starting yeah. to have social lives and their teacher goes oh no, off on them Grace. yeah um, but both of them still doing fine and um, you know their their teacher comes at them like this is not basically like your social life isn't important. All that matters is your grades and like talks about them, like as their value, like their objects that the school can, you know, toss on tout out and like, you know, demonstrate like trophies to other people. I was like, this is gross, dude. (laughs) These are children. (laughs) What's so, what's so funny though. What's so funny in like a very black comedy way is that like, that is still a thing. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, it's (laughs) there. There was, like, I'm just like, did the teachers, did the Japanese teachers not watch Karagano and realize the kids need to be kids? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, when I was teaching, when I was teaching English in Japan, um, I definitely had at least one student um, who, and who went to Saturday school regularly mm-hmm. um, every week. And she was, I was, she was like, I want to marry a foreign guy. I'm just like, why? And her English was very good. So she, she felt like she, she was able to explain this fully to me. Like, she's like, well, I really like light colored eyes. And also I really want a guy who will come and take me away from Japan. Oh, um, oh no. My, like, cause, and there were a lot of, yeah. like, that was not uncommon yeah. because, um, the amount of pressure put on them as as teenagers was so intense and that they knew that things weren't necessarily going to get better. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, because I guess you look at the Japanese workforce and you're like, oof, it's just like, mm-hmm. you get told all these things, but I, I guess you get life. money. The treat is money. You get treat. But like, it's... When do you spend? When do you enjoy Well, except money? you don't because they've been in a recession for the last, like, 25 years yeah. uh, I've been I've been reading up a lot about uh, Japanese gender role about gender roles and uh, family structures in Japan recently and boy does that come up a lot um, yeah but but yeah I, I do think I do think a lot of and you see that with you know again various shoujo um, I mentioned Fushigi or on high kind of has a nice arc with Haruhi where it's like grades aren't the only thing it's also having a nice time and enjoying your high school life and you've mm-hmm. sometimes run into this very like 
obnoxious romanticization of high school in shows like this, where it's like, this is the, these are the best years and it's never going to get better. Right. Um, but, but I like that Kari Kano, you know, sort of does push back against like, yeah. look, we're, our grades are fine and we're not going to stop dating each other because we shouldn't be like miserable fake versions of ourselves. Like we also need mm. to be our, be humans in addition to being mm. students. And I also really appreciated that like both of their dads are very supportive which yeah, was like yeah. like the the image of like the strict distant father is like so permeated into Japanese media especially like mm-hmm. in the 90s was when they really started to kind of address that and try to try to get away from it mm-hmm. um so i like that that Karikano is kind of you know the pushback of them both being like well no our kids are happy with each other and we trust them to make their own choices so it's okay that their grades fell a little bit. You can calm down, Teach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I really liked that the yeah. way they handled that episode and like the the way both yeah. their parents kind of came in to support them. And even the teacher eventually like mm-hmm. there are some dramatic face turns in uh in this show. <laughs> like also but like one minute he's an asshole and the next minute it's like, and now I'm your friend and the same with the teacher. Where the teacher's <laughs> like, I'm the worst and then walks out and is like, Hey, you guys think of yourself and that's cool. So like I'm not mad at you anymore. I'm like, okay, I guess yeah. cool, man. No, that was it was- it did feel a little easy, especially with the teacher where he's like, I I don't get kids anymore, yeah. but, you know, have fun. But I did, I loved Yukino's dad and, like, he's talking about letting his daughters being able to, like, make decisions for themselves. And that is, I mean, that's still, that is a style of parenting. Well, it doesn't work for every Mm-mm. kid because every kid has different well, and, needs. And they're but- kids, so there are certain decisions they shouldn't make on their own because their brains haven't fully developed but uh, yeah i mean it seems like it seems like they have like you know fair boundaries um dad dad's a little protective yeah no he's he's got Um, that when he got the when he got the the character for father on his forehead i was like is this a fushigi yugi reference (laughs) is that like a tamahome thing (laughs) Or is this just like a symbolic motif that I don't understand? And I have wondered about that for 19 years. I, I don't know. I couldn't know. tell you. You'll have to keep wondering. Uh, Could have been. Could have been. Yugi was extremely popular. I don't I don't know when Kari Kano started running, but maybe. Um, yeah. But um, so even if Arima is a little bit of a potato, um, not a total potato. And I do like I do really enjoy just sort of the way their relationship develops um like that in principle i feel like was very is very strong you know the episode where yukino is trying to figure out how to confess and she knows that he still likes her she's aware but still putting herself out there is really hard and scary yeah um i really like that scene the moments where she like she brushes like he brushes up against her and like her heart thumps. Oh, so relatable. <laughs> so good. Like, um, and when they, after they start dating, the first time they get to be alone together, there's kind of an awkward moment because it's like, okay, well, that tension is gone. Now what? And it takes them a, a little bit of a conversation to be able to find themselves <laughs> back in their groove like that all felt very very real to me um when when my historically when i have uh started a relationship the next day my first impulse is to run away and never talk to that person again 
I don't know why I'm like this. Please help. Hopefully I will not be starting any new <laughs> I was going to say, you're married now, so hopefully this won't, this won't yeah, be a, a problem going forward. Uh, well, and I really liked the moment where she's like, you know what, maybe we should just stay friends. Maybe that's better because if we date and then we break up, it'll yeah. be bad and I want to hang out with him and I don't want to not hang out with him anymore. And so so maybe I shouldn't say anything after all. And yeah, and I really liked the moment where she, the when she has that realization of like, well, because neither of them have ever really, and this part is wild to me in the is that neither of them really have had friends up until now um so they're both like as far as experience goes it's not just that they don't know how to like how how do relationship um like not just romance but like any kind of relationship so there's there's very much that attitude of like oh i can actually get hurt now because i'm being sincere which i've never done before this is terrifying uh yeah um yeah, and Yukino's monologues throughout that of yeah, her kind of starting to maybe chicken out and then deciding she should go go for it anyway. Um, oh, and then the moment where it's been like three days and she's like, "What if he doesn't like me anymore?" <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> "What if he's moved?" And on? I'm like, "Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. It's high school. He might he might not like you anymore." Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I would say like as an adult, there is that tension, like because because that that is kind of how relationships just are. Yeah. Like, and I mean, I'll say like, I've, I've been in a relationship. I've in a new relationship now for like, just sh- sh- shy of two months. And I'm still like, maybe they'll just stop liking me. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe they'll just go away and I'll never see them again. And it's nice to, it's and nice to see. You do. I, oh gosh. I hope. Sometimes you do just stop like. And that's true. I hope. I, I certainly oh. hope that's not the case for me because I really like this person. No, but, I hope. Yeah, so yeah, yeah too. of course. Yeah. You seem very happy. But like, it is nice to see like a young woman have to grapple with that, and also like, you know, they talk, which is great. Which is great. Like more anime where people talk. About I, the and, problem. Yeah, yeah, and I like that. Like, there are believable communication issues where, like, they have trouble mm-hmm. communicating different things to each other. I think the scene that, like, probably got the biggest belly laugh for me is when Yukino's like following Arima down the hallway, and she's like, "He doesn't notice that I like him back," and she like kicks him in the, like <laughs> kicks him in the back and shouts, "Notice!" and then runs away. That's great. <laughs> that was relatable. It was so no, it was such a good like. It was such a good representation of that feeling of like, why won't the person I like just realize it, and I don't have to say it, and they just know. <laughs> that was perfect. Was, I loved that moment. Really so well much. done. Yeah. Big high school energy. Oh my god. Yeah. This good. The show. The show can nail that. Like yeah, that first high school crush feeling like very strongly uh, when it when it's on. Absolutely. I have to say, it's it's good to know that like high school feelings have not changed from the year 1999 to now. Because like I was like, yep, yep, it's the same. It's the same. It's good. It's very good. It's very very good. Do we want to talk about some of the secondary characters? How are we doing? On uh, time? We can't. We've got we've got like ten minutes. Um, I did want to because we were talking about their kind of awkwardness as they first start as a couple. Can we take mm-hmm. Can we take a moment to address the Men or Wolves song that starts going through yeah. Yukino's head? <laughs> Because apparently that's a real song by Pink Lady called SOS. And um, that was frustrating. (laughs) I'm like... It, it's one of those, it's kind of, I mean, you know, we, we talked about this with other shoujo that especially came out in the 90s when there was very much a pushback against, like, the taboo. Like, to me, the 90s is very much when shoujo started actually, well, I guess it's probably started in the 80s. Um, 
started actually engaging with the concept of like teenagers having like sexual mm-hmm. relations with one another and it not just being like flowers and, and doki dokies. And, um, and, and part of that was like kind of breaking these taboos about like what young ladies should be interested in kind of things. And some of, and mm-hmm. so, but, and so it ends up, there's very much this give and take between like, yes, girls have sex drives and this is good and we should engage in this. And also like, you, God, you, we, again, to call back to another famous 90s shoujo, uh, you see this in Shigyugi a lot, this idea of like, you can't ever let your guard down around a man because secretly they're all rapists. And it makes me yeah, so angry. And it, it sucks because um, like, I mean, we all grew up uh, as, as, as AFAB young people and um, we probably were taught similar lessons because of because there is that caution and that sort of rape culture built in and it's it's so frustrating that it shows up in yeah. shows mm-hmm. but like I get why it's there um okay. so that moment like I was I was angry but also like I got it you know okay it's complicated here's the thing, here's the thing though. yeah here's the thing though I think that was actually really well handled because it's not that the song was actually playing or that the show was making a statement about Yukino being in danger in it is that she realized she was alone and that song that she had been hearing started playing inconveniently in her head. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm the kind of person who gets songs stuck in my head really easily. And that seems like the exact sort of situation. Also, the song was being sung by her sisters. Yeah. Um, which, which was fantastic. But there was no point where it seemed like uh, she was in danger, where Arima was thinking about crossing yeah. a line. So yeah. if it was meant to be a commentary on the situation, it was like a meta commentary where it was like, oh, I've learned all of these things. Um, and now I have this song stuck in my head and it's making me crazy. It's such an inconvenient time, which, like I said, very relatable. But at the same time, um, she's not she's not in danger this is you know when a lot of other shoujo would be going oh yeah no there's going to be a moment where the boy pushes her down and is like yeah well you shouldn't have yeah. let your yeah yeah, yeah no i i i super appreciate that that's not actually what happens and like our because like and then Arima runs away and is like oh man did i cross a boundary maybe that was too much and i'm like i think you're okay um but like the fact that they were both sort of engaging with that concept of like now we're in a relationship and now we have Mm -hmm. these boundaries and how do we like be respectful of one another and no no no, I think the show itself handled it well but just that moment like just very much sent me back to that it's it is that I'm trying to figure out how to put this the fact that that is the song that runs through her head is I think in again another kind of true to life sense of like the cautions and worries that a lot of teen girls feel growing up and like engaging in this first relationship is like okay. even if the person you're with is is super nice and uh would never take advantage of you like i think that that fear is still in your head no matter what because it's very latent right yeah and and so yeah. and when, so when it came out, I was just like, oh no, please don't, please don't go that route, route Katakano. No. And I appreciate that it didn't, um, but it definitely, the fear is, it definitely yeah, shot I, me back to a lot of yeah. Because I'll I'll say, I'll say that for like all of the things that like in my own notes, I kind of like personally nitpicked about like, oh boy, wow, this is really a 1990s anime, huh? I was also like, you know what? At no point was 
sexual harassment in the way that you can find in a lot of like late 2010s or 2020s anime like or in hot gimmick. Uh-huh. You know what? You know what? I should have never said I liked hot gimmick. <laughs> never said I liked it. Oh, Mercedes, Mercedes, hot gimmick was going to come up no matter what because that to me is uh, like yeah. it is yeah. it is yeah. a good comparison point for this series based on the time period. Like, yeah. true, um, true, true, true. in terms of true. actual unhealthy toxic relationships versus like teen awkwardness, yeah, right. Because and and that's that's what I have to appreciate here is like. Going in unknowing, I didn't, you know, I kind of had like prepared myself for, I was like, okay, this is from 1999. I know it was a different time and I know I'm going to encounter different tropes. And I was actually like kind of pleasantly surprised. I was like, you know what? It's just two kids who are really awkward. Yeah. And it's like, at no point does like Arima ever like invade her personal space in a way that comes off as hostile or sexually Mm -hmm. aggressive. Yeah. He's just a good kid. No, there's a there's a very nice focus on yeah, like like just two human beings trying to fumble through relationships and consent and communication and and act. It, it is engaging with those things in a way that is a lot healthier and like more aware. The blackmail is just extremely awkward flirting. I mean, yeah. it is, and it's he's just making he's just like oh, you could do my you know you could help me with my schoolwork because I'm overloaded, or I guess I could tell everybody you're secretly a slob. Like it's just it's just high school shittiness. Yeah. It doesn't come across as yeah. like, yeah. and it it, dro- it gets dropped so quickly, and he apologizes for it, and I'm like yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, teenagers make mistakes. Yeah. Um, no, and hot gimmick, the hot gimmick comparison would have come up with that no matter yeah, what. Yeah, 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 yeah. So don't yeah. feel bad. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, you wanted to talk about the supporting characters for a, for a hot second here, Caitlin? Yeah, I... I mean, now I'm just like, yeah, they're good. There's not that many of them yet. I was, I was surprised there weren't, there wasn't more supporting cast. Just again, my experience with shoujo rom-coms is Mm -hmm. you tend to have each character has their friend group and then you have some, you know, subplots with Mm -hmm. each of them. But because our main characters came in without really having friends, um, I love her sisters. They're great. They're very good. They're awesome. I like that her kind of a Greek chorus. Kano always just like being like, oh yeah, I'm going to say something really insightful because I read it. In show, <laughs> yeah. I like that her sisters give her grief constantly. Oh, and yeah. they're just like, mm-hmm. oh my God, what a dysfunctional sibling we have. And I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. I like, I like the relationship because I feel like a lot of times in anime, there's, there's two modes your siblings can be. You can either be distant from them and not like them or as we saw a lot in the 2010s, if you're a map, you can want to have sex with them. Yeah, and like that's wh- uncomfortable, like uncomfortably close. way too close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, and, and this, have, this... it's just it's just sisters being what I think actual siblings are like. I don't know. I'm mean, like I said, only child, but this is what I imagine. It depends on the family. Yeah. There are families like that. I wasn't like that with my sister. Um, we were we didn't like each other yeah and i mean some siblings don't like i mean i you know talking about my stepfam like i had a couple of them did not get along at all but the others did and you know there's different dynamics for sure um Mm. but they're they're sort of like that you know we give each other shit but we you know we're we're here for each other like i absolutely like i've had that with some of my step siblings and like i've had other friends who have had that so it feels it feels more realistic than a lot of the you know perfect oni-chan oni-chan stuff that pops up in anime a lot of the time Mm -hmm. so for sure yeah yeah and it's just nice to see like a female lead who has like a a family Mm -hmm. (laughs) like is in this family that just like everyone loves each other that's really nice to see Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Rachel Lillis' mom. <laughs> also, I just have to say, because I and I meant to say this when we were talking about voice actors, it's real great to hear Ash Ketchum emoting. Like, I did not realize that Yukino's voice actress was the voice of Ash Ketchum. And mm-hmm. at times, Ash Ketchum kind of comes out a little bit. And yeah, I she slips into the boy voice a little bit. <laughs> well, and see, I've I also as a as a big fan of Pokemon, but also Slayers growing up. Um, uh, Veronica Taylor is Amelia in that, and this is more her Amelia voice. So, like, as soon as she ta- started talking, I was like, Veronica, what are you doing here? Um, I did not know that she had like other major roles outside of those two, because like, mm-hmm. I mean, you had a, you had a job like Ash Ketchum, and that's that's your job now. Um, yeah. So um, Lisa Ortiz comes up later. <gasps> Yay! Of course, Lisa shows up. We're getting all the Pokemon ladies in. Uh, Rachel and Megan are there. Of course, Lisa's got to show up. So <laughs> yeah, that's I terrific. Think, and I don't see any, it makes me happy. I don't see any po- uh, Pokemon uh, guy actors on here though. No, well, Ted Lewis is playing one of the one of the side students because I would recognize. I know all their voices, Caitlin. All of them. <laughs> um, I reckon Ted Ted had like three lines and I was like oh hey Ted <laughs> um, but no Eric Stewart has not shown up and he's most of the guys in Pokemon so that yeah, means there won't true. be there won't be a Pokemon um, dude in this one so sigh mm-hmm. that's okay though yeah um, we'll, let's talk about Asuba next yeah time. I think that's a good idea he, gets, yeah. he, more. he really um, just showed up and I'm not sure what to think of him yet so yeah. I don't like him that's my I mean opinion. he seems like he wants to like he wants to sort of OT3 this this uh, couple this is my vibe on Asuba right yeah. now so <laughs> a little bit um, um, <laughs> yeah no I mean there's definitely an energy with that he brings that I could see being hit mm-hmm. in this um, I, I personally, I really like Asuba. Manga developments, notwithstanding. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about mm-hmm. that later. Uh, <laughs> but I, I really enjoy him. I think he brings a lot of energy. He and Yukino have a really fun dynamic. Um, for a long time, I thought he was in love with Arima. I thought that was like going to be a thing. Is that like he was like attract like romantically attracted to arima i mean he does um, kind of give off that vibe yeah. with the constant flirting yeah he's always he's yeah. always yeah. trolling yukino and he's always flirting with arima which is why i said i think he would like this to be an ot3 yeah, um, when, yeah. all i'm gonna say is when he said like i'm gonna i'm gonna use him to get girls i was like are you or are, are you just are you just trying to get close to him mm-hmm. i'm not really sure where this is going either way is okay yeah all sexuality matters but i'm not sure so that's just kind of where i sit is i'm like yeah. maybe maybe he does want to ot3 this which i don't, I don't know if that happens <laughs> well, yeah. oh, wait. so um wait, no is he the one that is he the one that falls in love with a baby yes no <laughs> but only in the manga only in the manga so it's not a spoiler for the anime yeah. <laughs> okay um, so, and Karakana is a very visually distinct anime. I think we, we talked about it a lot and a lot of the symbolism, honestly, at this point is kind of on the mo- nose, like with all the mask stuff, um, all the symbolic traffic signals and signs. But one thing that I really do like is all the on-screen text because, mm-hmm. um, it, it captures, um, your head just sort of going a mile a minute in a way that, um just an internal monologue can't um 
and like the use of fonts and like the text moving around together. I love the extremely like late '90s CG text stretching and contracting with the like squeegee sound effect. Um, so I just yeah, I really enjoyed that. Like uh, Dee brought up earlier the the part where she's where Yukino's like, it's okay if we're just friends, and like there's text flashing on the screen. Mm-hmm. I thought that like sort of captured that feeling of panic so much more than just than just um an eternal monologue would have yeah. done. Okay. All right. I think it's time for us to start wrapping up. Play us out, Caitlin. Um Yeah, well, uh, first before we do that though, are there any do you have any predictions, any final thoughts? Uh they're going to smooch in the next stretch. There. That's my prediction. You know, you okay. know what? I think they're going to have to break up at some point. Because I think, I think okay. like the love is going to be in too intense, and they're going to go off in different directions. They have to separate. But they're going to come back together. It's all right. It's <laughs> my prediction. All right. Um, thank you for listening to this episode. Next time, we're going to be watching episodes eight to thirteen for six episodes, and we hope you will join us. Um, so, if you like what we're listening and you just stumbled on this podcast on iTunes or whatever. Uh, you can find our website at animefeminist.com. Our Twitter is at animefeminist. We have a Facebook. Uh, don't follow us on Facebook. That that's won't be there for much longer. <laughs> um, oh, no. And we also use uh, animefeminist.tumblr.com. Um, if you really enjoy our show, uh, you can donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash animefeminist. By the time we air this episode we should have some new tiers announced um that i hope people will be really excited for even a dollar a month helps a lot uh thank you annie fam and remember to take breaks and drink water